0: Um, we're today we're starting we're starting a brand new series. and this series is very, very important to me that we we, we understand and we understand the, 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 the meaning of, of grace and, and what grace means and, and all of those other things and so so I, I want to carry you on a journey for the next five, six, seven, ten weeks I really don't know how long uh, about this issue of grace and how grace works itself out in our life and what does that mean what does it mean to have a sustaining grace what does it mean to have grace that that works itself out in in your life and so so today I've entitled this message we start this series called grace at work I've entitled this message a saving grace um, and really and truly this this is just a basic this is a basic sermon and for some of us it's going to be a little bit of review but you know what it never hurts to remember just the it to to never really forget the basics of the christian life and i know uh, sometimes some of you think i use way too many football illustrations here right because uh, every once in a while i'll get emails saying, hey not everybody's a football fan we didn't understand the illustration and so uh so i so i'm gonna try to broaden my horizon and use some illustrations that don't include football i, I know i know uh i never will forget i know this is totally off the subject but you're the guys you guys got me off the subject and so uh when we, uh, when we first started the church, I wanted to do a Bible study for, for men. And, and not a lot of men wanted to come. And so I wanted to convince the men that, that like, real men, go to Bible studies. And so you guys need to do this. And I wanted to reach a lot of the guys in our church. And so I just used an illustration one weekend. I said, hey, listen, men, if you're wondering whether this Bible study is for you or not, because we did boys' bullets and barbecue, we went to Beacon Hill races, we did some other things. And so I'm like, men, if you're wondering if this Bible study is for you or not, on the weekend, if you have a choice between watching figure skating and football, and you choose figure skating then this bible study is probably not for you and i learned a lot more men watch figure skating than what i thought in our church <laughs> so anyway i'll try to watch the football illustrations but but sometimes it's good To come back to the basics of life, Vince Lombardi, uh, who was a coach of the Green Bay Packers, uh, the Packers had played the Vikings there there in Minnesota. It was a horrible game, and the Vikings, like, slaughtered the the Green Bay Packers. And so Vince... Lombardi was embarrassed, and so he told his team immediately following the game, don't even go to the locker room, the buses are waiting for you outside the stadium, you're going to load up on the buses, we're taking you to the plane, you're going to fly back to Lambeau Field in your wet uniforms, and I want you to, to, when you get to Lambeau Field, we've turned the lights on, you're going to meet me at the 50-yard line, and so the team got there, and they're around the 50-yard line, Vince Lombardi walks up, and he always wore like an, an overcoat. And he walks up into the center of his football players. who were professional football players. Many have been playing for years. And all of a sudden, out of his coat, he pulls out a football. And he goes, men, this is a football. We're going to start off with the basics. And so sometimes in the Christian life, it is good to be to, to be reminded of some of the basics of the Christian life. Listen, if you do not understand today's message, then, then, then you're, it's going to be hard for you to have a foundation as we walk through the next 10 weeks. This week, we're going to talk about this issue of saving faith, uh, grace. Next week, we're going to talk about this issue of guilt versus grace. In other words, how does grace work in your life to take away your guilt, to take away all the, the thoughts or the past or those, those guilts that you may carry, and you're wondering, how can I ever be forgiven, and how can I ever just get on with my life and live in freedom. Psalm 145, 8 says this, the Lord is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anchor and abounding in steadfast love. In other words, this, the Bible tells us this about God, that God, God's a gracious God and God desires to be gracious to you. In fact, God desires to bless you. Oh, and by the way, God blesses people who don't even deserve it. Aren't you glad? I mean, I know I'm glad about that. And so, so if you don't understand this issue of grace, listen, you cannot understand the Christian life because grace is at the heart of the Christian life. It's at the heart of our relationship with God. Because see, when you understand grace, you will be drawn closer to God. When you understand grace and that God desires to be gracious to you, then you will, you will not have any of those barriers that sometimes we put up between us and God that you will be drawn to Him. Fact is, the more you understand grace in your life, the more that you're not only drawn to God, but the more gratitude that you have for Him. Now listen, grace is like this multifaceted... Uh, aspect or part of the Christian life. And there's many definitions out there about this issue of grace. Because I think grace is so large, it cannot be defined by one definition. One of the definitions that, that really resonate with me, somebody else said, it, wasn't, it doesn't come from me originally, but someone else said grace is the face God wears when he looks at my failures. Grace is the face that God wears. When he looks at my sins and he responds graciously to me see i'm telling you when you understand this issue of grace it's going to bring unbelievable joy and freedom in your life fact is this issue of grace is the most liberating thing in the world and and you can be a christian for 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years and never really understand the issue of of grace I'm going to give you five principles about this issue of grace but i I, I just want you to know that my aunt aunt Betty uh, wrote most of this sermon for me when I was uh, when I was a senior in high school my my aunt is the one that gave me a little pocket Bible for my graduation and in the flyleaf in the in the back of the Bible you know the blank pages uh, she wrote how to become a Christian and in her day it was called The Roman Road. Uh, but, but she wrote the process for me because she was worried about me. Uh, she wrote the process. She wrote it out, the roadmap uh, to become a Christian. She also, on another fly leaf, she wrote all the, the martyrs of the faith, all the people that had given their life to Christ. And so I, I still remember that. And the fact is, I still have have that Bible. it's It's on my desk at my home office. And and uh, she gave me that Bible when I graduated from high school. A few years later, my life falls apart. And she and her husband, Aunt Betty and Uncle Bob, are the ones that I lived with for a period of time. They're the ones that, that took me to church. They're instrumental um, in, in my faith. And so, so really and truly, she wrote this, this message. And, and I'm telling you, because of how I came to Christ and because of my life before Christ, it took me a long time to understand this issue of grace. And so grace is just very personal to me. It's, it's been a journey of mine for, for a number of years, and it will continue to be. And so I, I just want to give you just five principles this morning about just this, this issue of grace and God's saving grace. And what is God's saving grace? And, and what does that look like? And so, so here's the first one. God's God saving grace it is a free gift. Salvation, or God's saving grace... Is a free gift. And so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this. It says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. In other words, what the Bible says, tells us in Ephesians, is that this issue of grace is a free gift. And so if, if you were to ask maybe, maybe some people that you go to, go to work with or go to school with or maybe in your home, maybe some people in your neighborhood, maybe some people, that, maybe even on your way home, and you start having this question and you, and you ask this question and you ask, hey, let me just ask you, how do you get to heaven? Now listen, there's a lot of different answers to that. One of the most common answers, and you know, unfortunately, sometimes it's even even believers will answer this question this way, but one of the most popular answers, or maybe I could say it like this, I could summarize the majority of the answers when people answer that question on how do you get to heaven, most people will say something like, "Well, you you got to earn your way. In other words, you've got to earn your way. you you got, got to do some things to get to heaven. In other words, you've got to, you've got to live your life and try to do, do your best. You've got to work real hard. You, you've got to do some religious things. I mean, you need to take communion. Uh, you need to do some rituals. You need to do some things. Or, or some people say, you know what? Uh, you need to make sure you do more good things better than more than bad things, right? And if your good pile is higher than your bad pile, then when you die and go to heaven, God looks at your two piles, the good pile and the bad pile. And if the good pile is higher than the bad pile, then he says, you know come on in and and you can have heaven and so but you and I need to understand that grace is an absolutely free gift God says that salvation is a gift and it's a free gift in other words this issue of salvation you cannot earn it you cannot work for it you cannot deserve it you cannot buy it you cannot work for it you cannot do enough good things to earn it and so listen the fundamental difference between Christianity and all the other world religions is this issue of this issue of grace. And the fact is, the difference between Christianity and all the other world religions is just this issue of, of just grace. Because when you look at it and you look at all the other world religions, uh, all of the faith systems or the belief systems, and I don't care if it's Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam, You can summarize their religions with with one word, and that is this issue of do. And only Christianity is built on this issue of grace. See, all the other world religions, it's based upon doing something. It's based upon something you do. In other words, there's certain things that you have to do to, to like, earn God's approval or earn this, this heavenly bliss or earn your way to heaven. See, every world religion is much different than Christianity, no matter what you've been told. And so these other world religions, they'll they'll tell you different things, but in one religion, there's certain things you have to do to please God. In another religion, there's another set of things that you have to get God's approval, and it's all around something that you do, whether it's something you do, a ritual, a religious thing, an act. But on the other hand, you could take Christianity, and you can summarize Christianity up into one word, and that's this word, done. It has been done for you. Fact is, just this is a little, just free for you this morning. Islam, Islam, Muslims, Islam, in 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 th- in their religion, there is no theology of grace. Uh, when I was in seminary years back, uh, I still don't know how our professor got this approved, but it's a crazy deal. Uh, he got approval for us to go to a mosque. Uh, in Denver, and so we went to a mosque. He took a handful of us, and so there wasn't many of us. Uh, we we're, here. We are evangelical Christians, and we're going to a mosque, and and, uh, and then we had a Q and A time with the imam, which is a Muslim pastor uh after the service and so we went for a prayer service we went early we got to see the room where they ceremonial baths and cleansing and all that other stuff and then we kind of observed a a service and then after that we sat down with the imam and we began asking him questions and so i asked him this question i says hey let me ask you about this issue of grace in in your religion and he looked at me kind of weird and he says "Well, we don't even know about that concept i said you guys don't know about grace he goes no And I said, uh, well, how about forgiveness of sin? He goes, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, well, what what if you, and he goes, well, let me explain it like this. And he says, if if we were able, and we're not, but if we were able to live a perfect life, and at the end of our death, then it would depend whether we go to heaven or not, it would depend on whether Allah is in a good mood. I'm like, what? (laughs) He's like, yeah. He says, as, as, as a Muslim, we could live a perfect life according to the Quran. We do everything that we're supposed to do. And at the end of our life, if Allah is not in a good mood, because it's just up to Him, and it's very subjective. You see, when you look at this Islam, Islam doesn't even have a theology of grace. When you look at Christianity, Christianity is not something that you do to earn your way to heaven. It's something that has been done for you. In other words, Christ has paid the price. Christ went to the cross on our behalf, and he was crucified, and he bled, and he died. And on the third day that he he rose again, he paid the price. He paid the cost for our sins. Jesus Christ has already done it. He's already paid the price. In other words, that's why Jesus Christ said on the cross, said, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He's still alive. He's still here. He said, it is finished. What is it? Salvation. It is finished. I've completely paid the price. And so the, third, the second thing is this. It is a free gift, but the second thing is this. It is received by faith. It is received by faith. God's gift is received by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. In other words, it's something that has been done for you. You don't work your way to heaven. You don't earn your way to heaven. You don't try to do more good things than bad things. You don't tr- None of that. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no man may boast. In other words, faith is the key that unlocks the door to heaven. And so what Scripture says is that this issue of heaven is received, this issue of salvation is received by faith. In other words, it's a free gift. You don't do anything to earn a gift, right? It's a free gift. I mean, this morning, if I took, if I took a present... And I put it here on, on the platform, and I said, this, this is for you. This is, this is a gift for you. Then you, by faith, would have to get up and make your way down here and take the gift and open the gift, or the gift would be absolutely worthless to you, right? You have to receive a gift. Uh, my mom is, uh, is 80-something years old, and as many of you know, my dad passed away a year and a half or so ago, and so she's still walking through that transition. And, and uh, for this Christmas... Uh, my wife, Karen, knew that my mom wasn't going to put up a Christmas tree. And so as a result of that, Karen ordered a really nice it, live uh, uh, Christmas wreath uh, for, for a table table piece or whatever it's called. And so it was a live Christmas wreath. It was about this big, and then it came with like a red candle, and, and you stuck a red candle in it. And so that way my mom would have something at home was like a Christmas tree. And so my mom is one of those people that does not believe, she believes that you shouldn't open any gifts before Christmas. And so even though I called her, even though my wife called her, even though we encouraged mom, mom, you're gonna get a gift from us and whatever you do, open it as soon as you get it. My mom didn't open it. It It's like a living plant. Well, she she didn't open it. And for two weeks it just sat in her house. And so she finally opened it, and, and we get a thank you note from her that basically said, hey, the candle was nice, the thing was dead. We, and so so to, 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 to accept a gift, you have to open it, and you have to exe- accept it, and that's what he said. Listen, my salvation or your salvation isn't based on your, on your performance. It's based on God's promises. Listen, you, your salvation is not based on your goodness. It's based on God's grace. Your salvation is not based on your merit. It's based on God's mercy. And what he's saying is this, over and over in Scripture, this issue of grace, it's a free gift. And it's offered to you. But you have to receive it. You have to accept it. You have to open it by faith. The third principle about this issue of saving faith is this. It's available to everyone. I mean, this issue of of salvation, this issue of grace, it's available to everyone. In other words, when you look at this issue of salvation, God doesn't play favorites. Listen, I want you to know this morning, regardless of your background, regardless of your religious background, regardless of your status, regardless of how many times you've gone to church in your past, regardless of how many times you haven't gone to church in your past, uh, regardless of of your sin, regardless of of things that have gone on in your life, regardless of your background, this, this is... It's available to everyone, regardless of how many times you've gone to church or not gone to church. Romans 4.16 says this. says, this is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And so when you look at the Old Testament, this task was, was given to the Jews, and then the, because of the cross and the new covenant, uh, now God has given that task to, to the church, and, the, and now it includes the Jews, and it includes the, the Gentiles, and, and it includes everybody. It includes everybody who puts their faith in Christ. And so God says this salvation, this salvation, it's open to everyone. It's open to, to even the people you disagree with, even the people that you di- di- dislike, that what Scripture says is this salvation is open to everyone. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this, says if, and he's talking about the process of salvation, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So in other words, it's something that you do in your heart. It's something that you confess with your mouth. And and you'll be saved. So that's the promise. Listen, your salvation is not based upon your performance. It's based upon the promises of God. And that's the promise. You will be saved. And he goes on, for with the heart, with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, so here we go, everyone. Salvation is open to everyone, to all. And he said, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all. There's just another word for everyone. Bestowing his riches on all who calls on him. For everyone. You kind of get the picture that Paul wants to make sure that we understand, understand salvation. It's open to everyone. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will... There's the promise again. Because salvation is based upon His promises. Not your performance. Because everyone will be saved. And so the Bible says everyone. The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who believes in their heart by faith, everyone who accepts the gift of salvation will be saved. And so the sad thing to me, and and it was true in my Christian life for a number of years, that there are many people that know that God offers grace, His unconditional gift to us. But they get confused about working your way to heaven or earning your way to heaven. And they think that there's something else that is going to get them there. Listen, let me tell you something. You may may have done some really great religious things. Apostle Paul, who, who wrote Romans, was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a legalist. He studied under the greatest theologians of his time. He carried out the letter of the law. And he's the one that is writing this and said, you know what? Your accomplishments aren't going to get you there. Your religious things, you you cannot live a perfect enough life. You cannot live a good enough life. That this issue of salvation is a free gift. The fourth thing is this, is that the saving grace of salvation is through Jesus Christ. This saving grace is through jesus christ and and i know a lot of times when you start having these discussions especially in the community this is when everything gets kind of quiet because all of a sudden some people begin to say hey it looks like it's kind of exclusive and so it is through jesus christ but here's what the scripture says john 117 says for the law was given through moses grace and truth came through jesus christ so you have to stop and ask yourself why jesus christ why is Jesus Christ the only way to heaven? I mean, we know what Scripture says. Scripture says that that Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me." But but let's just let's just ask ourselves that why Jesus Christ? I mean, why not Allah? Why not Buddha? Why not many different ways? Why not any way that you choose? I mean, why not that popular? thought that is going around, that God's kind of at the mountain, and there's many paths up to the mountain. Why Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ is the only one that paid the cost for your admission. Jesus Christ is the only one that knew no sin, that lived a perfect and a sinless life, took on our sin, went to the cross, and did exactly what he said he was going to do. He was crucified, he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again, and he conquered sin, and he conquered death. 2008, Karen and I took a group uh, from our church to to Israel, and we were there for about about ten days, and and we saw all the sights, but I I still never forget when we went to see the, the tomb, and so we went to the garden tomb, the tomb where, where Jesus was buried. And, um, and then, we, then, then we also took communion right outside of the tomb. And it was just one of those spiritual markers that are in my life. And, and so I never will forget, we're waiting on our time. There's a line, and we're waiting on our time with our group. And, and Karen and I were kind of at the end of the line. And, and so we're waiting on our time because the tomb is really small. And so you can go in as a couple or you can go in as a single, but probably not much more than that. And so we we're waiting on our time and I'm just sitting there and I'm having this conversation with God and I'm sitting there thinking and I'm thinking, you know, wow, this is interesting. Thousands upon thousands and millions of people come to see this tomb, thousands every year. And this is probably the only historic site, this is probably the only thing that people spend thousands of dollars and travel long distances to go and to look at to see what is not there, to see what is missing. To see an empty room. And here's the amazing thing about that. I, I never will forget. Karen and I had gone in, and, 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 and we were in the tomb, and you, you almost have to crawl to get in the tomb. And uh, we, we had our time there, and then we're, we're coming out. And as we're coming out, over the opening of, 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 of the door in the tomb is a sign. And, and it just simply is just a simple sign. And it's a sign that says, Jesus is not here he did exactly what he said he would do so the reason that Jesus is the only way is the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him is because he is the one that paid the price he is the one that has already paid for your salvation and nobody else has has done that Romans 5.15 says this But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. And the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And so the law will tell you that when you blow it, when you sin, that that you've, you've blown it. But grace says you blew it, you're forgiven. Here's your way back. Now listen, in the New Testament, it's one of my favorite phrases for description of, of a Christian see in the New Testament. They didn't really Christians didn't refer to themselves as Christians. Uh, Christians didn't really refer to themselves as believers. In fact is the most popular term was the term that Paul used and they would describe themselves as in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. That's how they described themselves. Fact is, the Apostle Paul used that phrase, in Christ, 120 different times. It is, it is my favorite description of a Christian is that we are in Christ. We are in Christ. I thought about this a lot, just how to illustrate this to you this morning. Last night, it, it, or over the weekend, last night in the middle of my sermon, I got it. I, I got it, how to, how to illustrate this. So, so this is just a connect card. And let's say this connect card represents my life. And so uh, in the Bible, let's say this Bible represents Christ, okay? So the card represents my life. The Bible represents Christ. And so we're born, and we're born with a sin nature. And so there, there's, there's a terror. What was once perfect is no longer perfect. And so I start walking through life, and, and I sin, and I have bad thoughts, and I have bad actions. And, and I, I do and say some hurtful things, and I'm walking through life, and, and this is that was once all uh, perfect is now tattered and torn and and maybe crumpled and maybe i've torn somebody else's life and they've torn my life and and i go through life and i have sin and i'm no longer perfect and and i can no longer be moral enough or good enough or whatever to enter heaven and so i have this life that is just messed up and it's no longer perfect in fact is it has a lot of problems and so i come to christ and i accept his free gift and i accept him and so here's what the bible tells me the bible tells me that when i accept him God takes me and He puts me in Christ. And you can no longer see the sin. You can no longer see the guilt. You can no longer see the imperfections. You can no longer see the hurt and the tattered life. And when God looks at me, He doesn't see that card. And He doesn't see that sin. You know what He sees? He sees the righteousness of Christ. Because I am hidden in Christ. I am in Christ. That's how come we can say that we have the righteousness of Christ. In Christ, we are perfect. In Christ, we are totally forgiven. In Christ, we are deeply loved. Oh, and guess what? When I go to heaven, and when I come to those gates, and whatever your theology says about that, and how that whole thing happens, when I go to heaven, God does not look at my sin, and He doesn't look at all all of that other stuff. You know what He sees? He sees Christ. And He lets me into heaven. I'm telling you, when we understand this issue of grace, it will change your life. Galatians 2.21 says this. It says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, watch this, if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Listen, if I could do enough religious stuff, if I could earn my way to heaven, if I could work my way to heaven, then you know what the Scripture says? That Christ's death had no purpose. There are a lot of people, they don't even know what they're saying. There's a lot of people that said, you know what? I can earn my way of heaven. It's just taking communion where the, where, the, where, the, where the bread becomes the body and the juice or the wine becomes the blood. And it's receiving Christ that way. And I'm going to earn my way to heaven. I'm going to work my way to heaven. I'm going to do some religious things. And you know what Scripture says? If you could work your way to heaven, then Christ's death on the cross was a waste of time. And He paid the price for the forgiveness of your sins, and it's a free gift, and you just have to accept it, and you accept it, and you accept it by faith. The last thing is this, is that it lasts through eternity. This issue of grace, this issue of salvation lasts through eternity. In other words, that's where we get just talking about eternal life. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, But the free gift of God, again, you just keep seeing this, it's a free gift, it's a gift, it's a gift, just accept it, receive it. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the results of God's grace, it goes on and on and on. It's grace upon grace. Eternal life is one of the benefits of grace. Eternal life or grace, maybe you could say it this way, it's just that gift that just keeps on giving, but there's just one catch. You have to accept it. Man, you you have to believe. I mean, it's like a gift that that gift to you, a gift to my mom, is like worthless unless you open it. Listen, I'm telling you, you're never going to get a better deal than this. You're never going to get a better deal if you'll just believe, if you'll just open your life to Christ. That all of your sins will be forgiven. You'll be covered by grace, grace upon grace for eternity. If you'll just believe if you'll just you're never going to get a better gift than that. And so some people will push back and they get real nervous in a message like this and some people say, well, don't you need to don't you need to prove this over a period of time? I mean don't don't you need to don't you need to prove your faith that here's my concern with that theology, here's my concern with that thought, because this is what people are really saying that when when people believe, They're not really entirely sure of what they believe. I mean, I believe, but don't you need to prove it? And and here's what happens to people like that. They live in this state. They live in this land of of in-between with their life. Don't you need to prove it over a period of time in the land of in-between? And that theology is this. You never know for sure if you're really saved. You just kind of wonder, did I really believe? Did I believe hard enough? Did I believe strong enough? Did I believe because I wanted to go to heaven instead of hell? Did, was, was I just emotional at that time? Was I just going through a rough spot in my life and so it was the only choice I had to make? I mean, did I genuinely believe? Did I genuinely... And so what happens to people like that is they stand in this, li- this land of in-between and wondering if they really believed. And so they live life with worries and fear about what happens when I die, where do I go? Do I go to heaven? Do I not go to heaven? we well, see what Jesus is presenting. Jesus is presenting a, few, a, a, a sure thing. If you will simply believe. Fact is, it's an act of belief. If you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Three of Jesus' closest friends outside of his immediate family was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In John chapter 11, verse, uh, we'll start reading at verse 21. John chapter 11, verse 21. Jesus leads Martha. Listen, Martha had done some unbelievable religious things. And so watch this. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Verse 23, So Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. So here we go. All of a sudden, Jesus turns this and he begins talking about this salvation. He begins talking about this free gift to Martha. In verse 25. And so Jesus said to her, Martha, I'm the resurrection of the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone, so Jesus said, everyone. It's open to everyone. And so Jesus said, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? I need to hear it from you. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ. You're the Son of God who is coming into the world. See, there's a lot of people say, oh, this belief thing, just this belief thing, it's way too good to be true. I mean, you mean you're telling me that if you'll just believe that all of your sins, all of your mistakes, all of your past will be wiped away? I mean, when you look at this exchange that Jesus had with Martha, Jesus led her to believe. Jesus didn't say, prove it. Martha, in 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, we'll see them. We'll look at all of your good stuff. We'll look at all of your works. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, Martha, if you will just believe... If you will accept this, your sin will be forgiven. Your sin will be covered. And you'll have the gift of eternal life. The Lord, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Does this mean that I can just accept this salvation and live life however I want? No. 1 John 2, 3 says, and by this we know, we have confidence that we've come to know him if we have a desire to keep his commandments and to walk with Him and to follow Him. We know that we have a changed life. When we follow Him and our life begins to change. And just like with Martha, every one of us has to come to that place to make a decision for ourselves. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you as a result of, of His Word? What is He saying to you as a result of this message? For many of us today, was somewhat of, of a review. It was the basics of the Christian life. But maybe for other, others of us in this room, we, we've never come to that place. We've never come to that place that we just believe. We've never come to that place that we just understand that if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth... That Jesus is Lord. See, Jesus led Martha just to make a a confession. That's why it's powerful to make a confession to someone else. That's why baptism is powerful after you believe. It's professing Christ, it marks it. So maybe this morning you you've never really believed. You've been trying to do some religious things, you've been doing some ritual things, but you never come to that place to where you just believed. So maybe this morning, it would be your morning to where you say, God, I, I just, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth to you that I believe. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. And Lord, I'm, I'm committing to you. I am committing to you this morning that I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to develop a relationship with you. And I'm going to understand what grace means. Maybe some of you here this morning, you've been believers, and maybe, maybe you've flopped back over to this issue of, of works. And I, I just got to do some religious things. I just got to work myself. I just got to earn my way. And maybe this morning, God would carry you deeper into this area of forgiveness. You see, when you believe it's about works, then that's why you have to rededicate your life every week or you accept Christ over and over and over. When you've had a rough week or you've had a difficult week. When you've been forgiven, you're forgiven. Maybe this morning you'd have a prayer request and you'd say, you know what, I, I just need someone to pray for me. We want to pray for you. If you're carrying a burden, if you need a prayer request, if you have a prayer request, we want to pray for you. But maybe this morning, this time, in just a few minutes after I pray and we stand and you respond, maybe this morning we're, it should be even broader to where it's not only a prayer request, but maybe like Martha. There's power in just confessing to someone, I believe. And maybe you just need to mark it in your life by having someone pray for you. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, whether it's a prayer request that you're carrying whether it's a burden you're carrying, or whether you just want to confess that I believe and I want to mark it so that I don't have to wonder ever again about my salvation, then after I pray, we stand. As we stand together... And if you need prayer, you'd like to respond in any way as you stand up, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front. Our prayer partners down here. will have people that receive you and guide you. So however God leads you in your next step, would you just be obedient and take that next step? Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for today. And th- Father, we thank you for your grace. And Father, we just ask by the power of your word and the power of your name that you'd draw this church very closely to you. And Father, we'd respond to you. And that we'd understand what grace means. And Father, would prayers be answered? Would people find encouragement and support and comfort this morning as we minister to each other? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.